Podboys Productions. Welcome back to Brooklyn Rebound Network with your boy Padre over here on the left coast, the elitist coastal USA, whatever it is, whatever you call it. It's movies are relevant slash TV slash whatever me and my boy Young Spooky want to talk about today. We got one thing specifically, one movie specifically, we're going to mostly dive into but just pop culture stuff in general. Maybe a little sports. I don't know. I'm highly depressed over the NFL season, so I don't really want to talk about that right now. But I'll see what my my co my partner here, Young Spooky, although actually uh, while I bring you in, it's now November, so maybe um, we're back on Young Clavicle, Young, I don't know, Young Thanksgiving dinner. I don't know what, what you got over there, but the spooky season is over. And I know you're probably sad about that, but uh, how's it going, uh, E-Nam? Yeah, I've actually extended the spooky season, so we'll just go with that. Uh, Dak Prescott luckily does not need my clavicle. No no members of Tottenham Hotspur are currently um, physically disabled. We're, we're, we're going strong in that realm. Well, good for you. Yeah, so I'm extending the spooky season. I'm watching a lot of Ghost Adventures, the Travel Channel program, where the absolute rubes take, like, rudimentary recording equipment into supposedly haunted locations and scream at each other about how they just definitely captured a disembodied voice. Um, I love that shit. Every fall, I introduce a new girl to that show, and every fall I have to introduce a new girl to that show, probably because we break up at some point between then and now, because I introduced that girl to that show. (laughs) Self-fulfilling prophecy. I was about to say, what do you introduce your your spring girls to? I know, because I know you're going more than one per year, right? At this point, I mean, not ideally. <laughs> Seasonally, spring. What are we doing? <laughs> right, we don't have to get into it's Champions League. We don't have to get into it. But uh, yeah, I like. I don't care for those type of ghost shows. I, I mean, go back and listen to some of our recent episodes. Halloween Part Two, our most recent movies are relevant. Uh, meaning Halloween, talking about uh, horror movies, rather, part two, not Halloween specifically, but we went, we went over a lot of ghost-type uh, stuff, which isn't always my thing, but it is your thing, of course. And I do like uh, rudimentary, rude, I don't know, you said some turn of phrase just now that caught my fancy with some alliter- some good alliteration there. Yeah. Yeah, r- rudimentary rubes recording, <laughs> running from ghosts recording, I don't know. Yeah, like I think it's important to note and um shout out to every girl that I've had to that I've made watch these shows with me because nothing is scary and I just want to hear disembodied voices talking into recording. I don't believe in ghosts. Ghosts aren't real. But you know, like these people believe in ghosts and that's what's important to me. They're terrified. And you what is what's the aspect that you like just seeing other people be scared of stuff? Are you mocking them from afar that they're, you know, that they're foolish enough to believe in this sort of thing? It's kind of all of it. Do you remember? Do you remember when people were watching Jersey Shore? Yeah, so it was my college days, uh, one year particularly, I think that was when. Yeah, 
or like how I watch Bachelor now, where like I'm not at all interested in whether these people can find romance in six weeks when, you know, 30 other people are dating their new boyfriend. But I am desperate to see what happens. Yeah. I wonder if there is a link between, just to bring it back to myself, as I, uh, you know, as a narcissist like me will as want to do, I wonder if there's some link between my dislike of, because I also dislike reality TV for the most part. There's one exception to that that I want to talk about in a minute, but like Bachelor, Jersey, any of these reality shows, especially the ones that aren't like a competition show or something, but are just pure like, like writers write this shit, a lot of it, they set... Yeah, Drew really only watches Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Yeah, no, but that's like a prime example of the type of show I'm talking about that I dislike. I wonder if that's there's a tie with that between my also my not maybe not like I said on the horror cast like I I'm disliking them less these days, but the ghost style movies in general, spirits, all that stuff. I also have never been a big fan of that. I want and I wonder if there's some link because I wouldn't just think that in a vacuum. But since you're talking about these two things kind of you brought them both up the reasons why you might like them is possibly the reason why i don't i don't know well yeah i mean like it makes a certain kind of sense like the 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 like ghost hunting style reality television show is at its heart a reality television show in that because ghosts don't exist it's all scripted and very fake that's a big problem i have with like a lot of reality television where it's like oh yeah you guys aren't really fighting this isn't really happening the ones where they do really get in each other's faces like you can tell you can tell that they're getting a certain kind of edit, like on like on Bachelor per se. But like people are in each other's faces, and like really, these people don't like each other. The the Schadenfreude and the just like holy shit, these people are so fucking stupid. I could never be friends with someone that stupid, and here we are just watching thirty of them hang out. That I do fuck with. See, that's sort of that's. I think that I think it is tied like by dislike of the two things because that annoys me more so than entertains me. Just seeing on you know um unlikable people acting stew acting doing whatever and i can handle it more in fictional movies i guess movies with unlikable characters maybe because it's i know it's fiction when as with reality stars whatever you want to call them even if they're have scripted stuff even if they're putting on an act for the camera whatever it is it's still like someone saying they're a real person and i know if i met this person in real life they probably would annoy me as well and it's like kind of same with the ghost stuff. Like it, it, it annoys me that people actually believe in this stuff, or maybe annoy is like, maybe it's not annoyed, but it's like, it bothers me in some way. It irks me. Maybe I'm, that's just a synonym. I don't know. I really am starting to think there is some link in the things that I, that a lot of people like of that I don't uh, from pop culture that I I'm not a fan of. So I don't know. Yeah, I think you might have hit on something there because like. Ghosts obviously don't exist, but what if these people were communicating with spirits from beyond the grave? Uh, what if these people were recording themselves screening, screaming down a dark hallway, and then when they play it back, they hear a disembodied voice on it, and it actually was a ghost? Or what if these people were actually falling in love with a person they met three weeks ago that 30 other people are dating? Yeah, what if? Indeed. I mean, is Bachelor still on? It's not Bachelor season now, is it? Actually, I haven't uh no there's always a winter hiatus we'll be we'll we'll have bachelor at or no we'll have bachelor in the early uh spring all right you can bring your spring girl in for that then right right it's the spring girl who always gets the bachelor yeah hell yeah it's bachelorette sometime is that a different season i don't know is that even still a part of the show or a spinoff whatever 
Bachelorette is uh, early summer. Uh, so you've got early spring for Bachelor, Bachelorette's in early summer, and then they do Bachelor in Paradise, where it's all people who have been dejected on various editions of the show in previous semesters, months, whatever. Mm. Seasons, there we go. Uh, and they all, they're all hooking up on the island, like Survivor style. Okay. So they just one season, le- that's three or four seasons of it's like, based on spring, summer, or whatever. Yeah, it runs three short seasons a year. There's one left for, like, Bachelor Ghost Hunters or something, for everything to really tie together for something I'll, I'll want to avoid. I'm writing that pilot right now. Anyway, primarily on this episode, we're going to talk Parasite. It'll probably say that on, you know, the title, so if you're waiting for that, you could just fast forward a couple of minutes or just wait while we talk more bullshit here. But by the same token, if you're not interested in that film and ha- or haven't seen it, you might you might not want to continue, but... I do want to briefly touch on something we talked about. I think we t- uh, we tangentially talked about it a little bit last record, which was, is the one reality show that I am a fan of, which is The Great British Bake Off. Whew. Now you can get it the week of on Netflix. It just ended the new season, though. But you told me off pod that you, uh, before we started, that you haven't caught up. So I guess we can't get too much into Can't talk about the winners and stuff, but. You honestly can tell me who wins. I don't, like, I don't. Okay. I don't watch to see who wins. My first season, uh, I picked Candace from the very beginning, um, and she won, and uh, I haven't cared since then. Yeah. And I guess if, if it's, like, just about the show in general, I do recommend it to a lot of people. I think it's a really good show. It's very relaxing. It's not, like, a typical reality. I mean, it is a competition as well, so there's, like, a differentiation, I guess, between competition reality shows which I maybe have slightly more tolerance for, even though I don't watch a lot, a lot of other ones other than this or any really, but versus like the whatever you call the other style reality show where it's it's not called Slice of Life, but I don't know what to call it. Is there a term for that that you know? Not that I know. I guess the, is The Bachelor a competition as well? I mean... In a way, right? Technically, it's a competition for love, Drew. It's a competition for love. Okay. But it doesn't have you know um soggy bottoms in that sense at least that i'm talking of like pies and stuff uh that depends on that depends on where they go it doesn't have nice crispy pastries it doesn't have uh being overbaked underbaked uh it doesn't have proving which in the u.s is called proofing but in britain i guess they call it proving which i like better anyway underproved bread all this stuff uh, it's the show is good because just to give a quick commercial for it for if, if you haven't watched it yet it's very calming. Like, I, I think you watching it before you go to bed or something would probably be good for you. Mm. If you're stressed out or something. The people are very nice on it, and they obviously they mostly have British accents. I was complaining a little bit to you last time about some of the, some of the contestants not having British accents, which is, was maybe borderline xenophobic of me. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, listening back, it wasn't great. <laughs> well, I just couldn't explain myself. It's just like, you know, whatever. I'm, I want everyone to sound British to me, but all right. I'm wrong on that one. You know, it's I'm not, I've never been interested in baking necessarily, but you get in, a little bit interested in it just by watching this, I guess. Yeah. Do you do the thing where you're just like walking around like in random bits during your day? I was like, I wonder what a cardamom and chocolate bun, like I wonder how I could make a cardamom and chocolate bun for dessert tonight like you're not cooking you know that you're ordering grubhub yeah absolutely i mean or at best ordering grubhub more likely eating like uh, pretzels or something i have lying around um <laughs> but 
just it's very well produced i think it it did switch from bbc to like a different channel recently in the past couple of seasons which is maybe why netflix has better access to it the newer episodes now i'm not sure but um but which is good but what's not as good is that well but yeah but the production value is very good they do these little drawings of like the things people say they're gonna bake that's really cool i think people are they're nice like i was saying like the contestants like help each other. it's not like american reality show it's so wholesome the contestants help each other out even though they're competing if someone's like in trouble about something or not in trouble but you know like someone's running out of time or they're having some cooking disaster baking disaster like other people will come that are competing against them will come over and like try to help them and it, it really seems like they are just trying to help not not trying to like i don't know look like a good person or something you know what i don't know like there's nothing to be gained for them to do it it has a different there's this the one host of the two or not the host but the two judges it's this guy paul hollywood who also like because everyone's so nice like this guy's a little bit more on the gruff side like steely kind of he's like the one element that's a little more which i think is needed as well yeah, he's like if Simon Cowell had redeeming qualities. Yeah, kind of. Like, I, I, I don't know that much about Simon Cowell, I guess, other than just pop culture, general osmosis. But I, I definitely think this Hollywood guy probably better than him. I don't know. But yeah, it's, I think it's a little bit of that type of deal. And they used to have, the other judge used to be Mary Berry, who I really liked a lot, who left the show a couple, I think when they switched from BBC, which I, I don't dig on the new judge as much. Like, she's fine, I guess. It's definitely missing a little something. She doesn't have as much personality as Mary. Yeah, I was. I felt like Mary was like my my British grandma or something. I don't know. I really like. <laughs> yeah. I prefer the new, the hosts, the two new hosts more than the old ones, which may be controversial. I've seen some people online that really liked. I guess the old hosts, um, Mel and someone, Mel and Sue. Mel and Sue are like iconic in in England, but like also I can't stand their dad jokes. Yeah, it's well. I mean, the the jokes are still a little bit dad level. It's very like, it's, you're not watching the show for the humor. It's like very simple puns and kind of. But like with the new, I think the new hosts are a little bit more to my taste. I don't know. Yeah. Noel and Sandy are their names. Well, and like that guy, I think we might have discussed this recently. That guy's old Greg from the old bit. Yes, he's like from um, the Mighty Boosh. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, maybe a little, little bit more clever humor. Not too much more clever, but a little bit more. Uh, but you didn't see the fi- the final. Also, I was saying last time that I always develop a crush on like one of the, the contestants, uh, one of the women. You know, I do too. Each time, Alice was my girl this time, and uh, did she win? You so you want me to say it's a spoiler for you? Yeah, I don't. She care. didn't win. So the finalists were. I don't even know if you're one episode left or two or what, but. Actually, this time as well, there's usually one or two people that, like, annoy me as well, and then I root against them. Or, by the final, there's one person at least I'm rooting for. This time, I thought all three of the people, I would have been fine if any of them won. David was the one who won. He was cool. I liked him. He was, like, very chill and laid back. I can't tell any of the, and this is, there were, like, six different, like, dainty, urban, possibly homosexual boys on this season and they all had the exact same personality and i couldn't tell them apart week to week no this guy was i mean he was homosexual or is homosexual but he was like he's a little bit older than the younger guys i think he's probably like 35 36 very like well put together looking but like very laid back and like um never to like get stressed out about anything with a really strong jaw yeah maybe yeah he's like a very handsome looking guy i think you're saying he won 
he won. Or he was left. He won, and he never, he actually never had won Star Baker the whole time, and then he ended up winning. Right. And then Alice was in the final, was my crush, my girl. She had a mm-hmm. middling kind of thing. She she didn't put it together her best day in the end. And then Steph was the third finalist. She had won Star Baker like four or five times. Like she was the star throughout the whole show. Yeah. She was the one that bangs McGee. I was mentioning last time that with the the uh, very out of t- date style. <laughs> and she blew a three one lead. She, she basically she really choked like more so than I've seen on a lot of finals. Like normally it's like some people just aren't as good and they do their best whatever. Like she like like legitimately choked because she seemed like the best baker throughout the show and then she she had a really bad final so sorry for her but uh but this was the one time i was like if any three of those people had won i'd be happy but what i'm not happy about is that i apparently see that uh i saw something online about alice my crush that she's like apparently linked to be dating one of the other contestants from the show who's, like, only 20 years old, like, one of the guys you were talking about, maybe, except this guy's, I guess, not gay, but... Interesting. And she's, like, 29 or something, closer to my age. And, like, look, am I gonna ever meet her or anything and really get a chance? Probably not, but still. You hate to see it. Even if I was gonna get a chance, I probably still could. I don't know. But I just don't like... When I, I, I don't like to see someone with a lot going on. Going, going eight, nine years younger... Robbing the cradle this way. This kid doesn't deserve it. He should be this young kid. He doesn't deserve all that. Yeah, that kind of age gap before 30s to 40s, I think, whatever. But that kind of age gap, like right now, if I were to date a 21-year-old, I would hope that someone would have an intervention for me. I have nothing in common with a 21-year-old. And I mean, there is a little bit of a double standard, I guess you'd call it, with men to women. Like, normally you see it going the other way. This is at least more novel, but because it's an older woman, but I don't know. I mean, normally it's like the crushes I have or whatever, like, oh, they're married or they show them with their boyfriend, whatever, and it's like, fine. But this was like the whole time she was like looking single. I was getting ready to get my plane ticket over to, to the UK and propose. <laughs> That's right. Go and, to her. Uh, now I see this. Sh- Henry, I think, is the guy's name. Don't know him. So, anyway, more people who don't know exist will never meet me. Obviously, they can do whatever they want. But that's just how the human mind works. I don't know. I mean, like, it's like the same thing of, like... And this is, like, what we're talking about, British Bake-Off. It's, like, a, a relatively, extremely minor celebrity, I guess. People get mad when, like, someone, they some star gets married or whatever like oh they're off the market or whatever even though you're never gonna meet like literally members of korean boy bands cannot be seen to be dating otherwise they become significantly less popular because the dream is gone for the for the tweens that love them apparently that happened with jackie chan back in the day like he had to stop Mm -hmm. um having love interests in movies because because like women were up too upset about it in china and uh yeah it's, it's a real crazy, thing but uh anyway yeah so i still i would still watch that final that final maybe you're planning to anyway even though it's spoiled for you now but um yeah i'm definitely going to i also love how every time like an old person gets kicked off the show and just like shout out to my boomers i guess which is like they do one of those really sweet like direct-to-camera interviews and it's like you know what i think i will keep baking mm. it was like yeah of course you were gonna keep baking that's all you do cheryl <laughs> yeah but there wasn't really any old people on this season. There was one maybe older gentleman 
Who's like in his fifties, maybe? But no, because there were six young gay men in their early twenties. Like that, that crowded out a lot of demographics. Except one not, one not, one straight apparently with right, Alex, right, with my girl. Oh, all right, let's move past it. We are going to talk parasite. We're going to talk movies. Did you want to touch on anything beforehand? I know you're always uh, you're always into uh, asking about Evangelion, which I'm still reacting to on Drew's views over on YouTube. Moving toward the end now. I'm itching to get my own private reaction to uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Where are you now? The last episode I watched was, I think, 18 out of 26, right? Shinji, mm. everyone was walking on eggshells around Shinji because... Uh, there's a new pilot, The Fourth Children, which is also an issue I had. I, know, I don't know if I've hashed this out on the podcast. I think I have, or maybe with you privately off air, but like how they call them the third children, the fourth children. Maybe it was with a commentary on my channel that I was talking this about, not you. I don't remember, but like the grammar is so weird, but apparently, yeah, maybe it was a commenter told me like the the creator of the show wanted it to be translated that way and like was like really like serious about that for unknown reasons like instead of calling it the, yeah. the third child he wanted it to be the third fourth children which I, I still don't understand but anyway the fourth children was shinji's friend uh suzuharu or is that his name or that's his last name suzuhara suzuhara and uh no one t- wanted to tell him because he's so emotionally volatile in fact asuka tries to tell him and they cut her uh calm off yeah or did they or or she just got um I didn't take that as them. I thought that was just bad timing. Like she got it, it, she got knocked out of the thing just when she was about, you know, dramatic purposes. I'm pretty sure they cut her off. Uh, it, hard to say. He didn't even know that his friend is the new pilot, which also I thought it was interesting. I thought it was maybe. I think it was maybe the episode before that that they kind of revealed that the school they all go to is just kind of like a breeding ground for these pilots. Yeah. Which I didn't necessarily put to, would have put together. And then, so it's his friend, um, Toji, I think that's his, his name, first name. Mm-hmm. They do a test, and something went wrong where, it, like, it didn't work, and then they designated his Eva as an angel, as an enemy, basically. Wanted Shinji to take it out. He refused to do it, not even realizing it was his friend, just that there was another person in there. So his dad put the thing on autopilot, basically, and uh, they got him i thought he was gonna be dead that's what it seemed like but at the end of the episode they're like he's still alive so i don't know but i gotta see but that's what that's the point i'm left out of yeah so are you not clear about the angel because i can clear that up well i mean i guess i'm not 100 percent clear it seemed like they it, it, the sink or whatever didn't work for him and then i don't know tell me just to explain it to me so it's a little it's a little more like obvious than that so when the americans are flying i think it's the americans maybe the germans yeah, the Americans brought it. The angel to Japan. It flies through a cloud, and that that cloud. Uh, you remember the one where the where the angel was just a computer virus. Mm-hmm. So that cloud has just like water vapor or something inside it that is actually the angel, and it attaches to the Ava and oh, is in control of the Ava. So when they put the person in, because turns out what it needed, the angel couldn't control the Ava on its own. It needed a it needed a person inside the plug. Hold on to that thought. Okay. Then it takes control of it and becomes, like, super powerful. Was there any way that I would realize this just from watching that episode, or is this... Yeah, there is, like, a weird red glow in the cloud that it's passing through, and then nothing happens, and then as soon as they put Toji in, uh, the angel freaks out, and you're you're meant to, like, think back to that moment. Okay, interesting. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's still, like, a lot of things with the show. It's, like, I don't 
hard to pick up on everything. Or I think there's a lot of things you're just not supposed to all understand yet. And commenters tell me, like, I'm going to understand. And, like, you want to know, right? It's such a, like, perfect mystery box. Yeah. Yeah. And we will do and a, you will. Full, a full-length pod when I'm finished, which I guess will be... I'll be finished in... Well, I don't know if the movies, like, I have to watch the movies as well before we can pod, but... So you have to watch one movie. Uh, you don't have to watch the rebuilds, necessarily. So about two months from now, I guess, that would be about when I'll be caught up on everything, if everything goes to schedule. But... I think so. You've got eight episodes and a movie. M- maybe try to transition into the movie we're going to feature today on the pod. I was going to say, like, it's something... Because you're just talking about the mystery or something. This isn't a mystery film, but it, it was something I didn't know anything, really anything about it going in. Um, I knew it was directed by Bong Joon-ho. Is that his uh, name? Do I have that on the right order? Uh, yeah, Bong Joon-ho. And I knew it was something to do with like rich, poor people, something like that. That's basically all I knew. And again, it's not a mystery, but the way it unfolds is like you don't necessarily see a lot of things coming. You know what's going next. So I guess, yeah, the, so the film is called Parasite. It's a Korean film by Bong ho who did... Snowpiercer, I think a lot of people have seen that. Okja, that was, a, I believe, a direct-to-Netflix film. He did a film called Memories of Murder, which I just watched recently as well, which is really good. I believe one of it, that was one of his first films, like from around the 2000, 2001, something like that. Maybe a little bit later. But yeah, then. he's also well-known for a horror film called The Host that a lot of people like. The Host, yeah, that's I've seen that as well. That's good. It, it's his new film that's out now. I think in most is it out in most cities now? Is it spread wide? I'm not sure. I think it's still on limited release. So like us coastal elites will, will have right, so. had a chance to see it, but like I don't know where the people who download this podcast live. But um, uh, probably coastal elites like us. Sorry if you're not near a major American city. Yes. You'll get your chance. It's 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 great. I guess we could uh, leading up to say that we're gonna want to do full spoilers on this one. So if you haven't seen it, especially if you want to, and I do think, especially with this film, we can try to do a couple of minutes non-spoiler stuff, but... There are very specific plot points that are going to have to be discussed. And I just think, not even about that, but just that the fact that this film, more than most I've seen recently, at least, uh, in recent memory, I think it really benefits from not knowing anything going in. Do you agree with that? Yeah, so I knew a little bit going in. Did you know what it well tell me what you knew going in at least. Or should we say should we say spoilers from this point out or should we say Yeah, let's go ahead and spoil. Alright, spoilers from this point out. It's a really good movie. Go watch it. Um I strong recommend for me to, to spoil my review, I guess, but very strong recommend for me. Probably one of the best films I've seen in a long time. I I really was blown away by it. But alright, so that's my perspective. Even you had brought it up, I think, on our last podcast, like when we were talking about movies, like you said, this is the something people are talking about and I, I it wasn't even hardly on my radar then i looked into it a little bit after that again not looking into too much the, like looking up stuff about it other than just like oh it's out now i can go watch it which i did yeah so again knew basically knew nothing i knew something that was like about class welfare or something like that what did you know going in I knew all that. Like, I knew the I knew the major themes. I knew that it was getting compared to the not dissatisfactory, but uh, with the full knowledge that this movie exists, extremely subpar American f- film Joker, which happens to work on the same class lines, but, you know... That, all right, that, your, your sentence was very confusing. I less intelligently. Honest. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I knew that people... I knew that people were drawing direct comparisons and being like, this is... Uh, like uh, like the Black Panther meme. This is your king. 
because uh, so many fucking people watched Joker, and it was like supposedly a class consciousness film, which we'll talk about. Okay, I haven't seen it, so I don't really know. But um, it's fine. It's fine. I was surprised how much I didn't hate it. I think I've said that on this podcast before. Um, but then you watch this fucking movie, and it's just brilliant and so like meticulous. Yeah, and well, like drawn and serious in a way that the other movie was not. It's masterfully crafted. Like you couldn't, even if you're not like a big movie fan or you're not like into cinema a lot or i i feel like even an average movie viewer that watches this is going to be able to tell that like this director is like doing a really good job the craft of like an expert craftsman i guess or whatever like just how yeah intricate everything's put together the flow of it uh what am i trying to say not the flow but the, the pace of it is it's over two hours it's a long movie but it doesn't feel and you never look at your you never fucking look at your phone no it like the pace is like perfect the structure is pretty perfect everything fits together perfect like i think people could tell like that would be able to tell bong ho is like clearly a, a great filmmaker at this point and it's like memories of murder i said was one of his first movies i believe or at least one of his first movies that got recognition outside of korea maybe or something and that's a very good movie too mm. it's a little bit reminiscent of zodiac i would say even though it came out and it came out before that i believe so I don't know if Fincher might have even got some ideas from him on for Zodiac, but it's... So that's very well put together. You know, I think Snowpiercer is maybe mixed reviews, mixed to positive reviews. I liked it overall, but... And his other films, like The Host, whatever. But this one is, like, even... Like, this seems like a guy that had, had those reps of making a lot of good movies already. Now he's, like, made, like, a masterpiece, I think. Yeah. This is just... This is a brilliant, like, meticulously, like, perfectly clockwork film. It, it is absolutely perfect. In a way that, like, you don't even notice that it's that good until you, like, leave the theater and it's like, wait, did I just watch the best movie I've ever fucking seen? Uh, which is an, a similar experience that I had. Certain movies that we've talked about in the past, like, I didn't, I didn't know how much I loved Call Me By Your Name when I was watching it. And then the second I left the theater and I was talking to my friend about it, wait, like, wait, I loved that. More of a slow burn. Yeah, exactly. The same the same thing kind of happened here where I expected to be, like, more blown away than I was and then I was as blown away as I expected to be, which is a strange thing to experience. But, yeah, going back to the question that you actually asked me, um, I knew that they got jobs with the rich family. I knew that it was a class document. Um, I didn't know about the people under the stairs. Which is a movie I brought up last time as well that I had just seen recently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I did know about the attempted murder with a large rock. Okay. How'd you know about that? Uh, podcast. Okay. There, was it like a... Yeah, somebody dropped it in an interview um, with the director Bong. Okay, so you were listening to a podcast with the director actually speaking on it? Uh, yeah. And someone mentioned directly The Rock uh, being a murder weapon. <laughs> yeah, I guess if I had to... Um, we'll talk more in depth in a minute here, but just overall thoughts. Like, I really did think it was like a, pretty much a masterpiece. Maybe one, if I have to find any fault with it, maybe the thing, the whole thing with The Rock was a little bit... I don't know. Maybe it was a little bit over the top, I guess. Or... Yeah, so I think... But I do like how it ends with him getting hit. And I thought he was dead as well. Like, I thought yeah, he was really dead there and he lived. But it seemed like he would die from that. But I guess that was like a little... 
they, I think he was trying to tie a theme in there with that, which I get what it, what it was, but that was maybe a little bit. I said over the top, which is maybe not exactly the term I'm looking for, but do you know what I mean? Like a little... I absolutely understand. It was a little obvious of a metaphor. Even there's a lot of ridiculous things that happen in the film. I mean, ridiculous if you like see like if that was if it was real, uh, you'd be like, well, that's crazy. But you'd also be like, oh, but it still could happen. Like any of this stuff could happen. But with the, with the guy, the kid carrying around the rock and especially they bring him more in toward toward the second half of the film. Like when he's like carrying it or all that stuff. That's when it was a little bit. But I don't even hate it, honestly. I still like that part of it. But maybe that was the one part where it took it took you out a little bit. To, yeah, to, like, sh- show the metaphor a little too hard. Yeah, so, like, I'm going to push back on that a little bit because I think a movie this carefully constructed necessarily means that that metaphor can't be as clumsy as we're thinking it is when we first, like, think about it. I think it was placed in there as a clumsy metaphor. Like, the, the character literally saying over and over again, it's so metaphorical. Like, the, the the rock is supposed to bring, like, uh, like wisdom and good fortune and whatever. And literally, it is the thing that ends, if effectively, ends his pursuit of the South Korean dream. The clumsiness of the metaphor is in itself a comment on the idea of that kind of metaphor, I think. Yeah. In a, in a like, really pinpoint way. If we were just left with that specific metaphor, it'd be like, all right, man, what are you doing? That is the brilliance of this kind of, like, elite director. He can take some dumb thought that he had that, like, you or I would have written in an essay for college in, uh, like, junior year and thought we were fucking brilliant. And, like, it is the dumbest thing anyone our current age has ever thought and make it into something brilliant by commenting on it itself. I am... I was blown away by this movie. Sorry. Okay. I was too, man. I mean, like, you're... I might even be coming around on what you're saying with the, the, the rock metaphor or visual metaphor or whatever it is. But so you were saying like the American dream, or I mean the South Korean dream. I don't know if you were saying that as a joke or you really were about to say American, but I think it really was like this movie is kind of about America, even though it's, it takes place in South Korea. Obviously, it's all Korean characters. It's their society. But I think it's also a comment on how American culture has affected them as well and like the drive for capitalism and getting ahead and all this stuff and like i think you could maybe taking out a couple of elements and changing it around i think you could just as easily set this in the states as you could in south korea right but we never would set this movie in america if i could tee off for a second here um like okay it's criminal to compare the only two korean language films i've seen in the last year to each other and nothing else but this and Burning are dripping with class consciousness in a way that if you hit an American filmmaker or journalist over the head with this kind of class consciousness and nearly murdered them like happens to the boy at the end of this movie, they still wouldn't see class consciousness because like we are the most like absurd bootlickingest country in the entire world. And every one of our fucking movies has to be like, what if Ozymandias from The Watchmen, like, what if the world's smartest, most brilliant, richest man was also a great dad and saved the world by f- solving time travel and bringing back all the people who died at the end of the last fucking movie? Like, we can't fathom a film <laughs> that pits the wealthy against the rest of us. And every fucking foreign film that comes into our regional consciousness here, our local consciousness like Burning last year, Roma last year, this, the fucking, uh, I forget his name, but the the Polish film that I think 
that was nominated for um, foreign film last year. Like, Cold War, I still need to Every see film, yeah, every film that comes to us from another country that we take notice of. And I'm sure, like, this is in a, at a certain level, selection, sample, whatever, uh, bias. They get it, and we absolutely don't. Well, I don't think the point you're making is antithetical to what I was saying. No, no, I'm, I'm, I, my point was agreeing with where you were headed. Okay, so, like, yeah, I'm saying I think it's... Ho is clearly influenced by, or he's commenting on the influence American culture has on South Korea and how it's, how I would say America primarily, maybe other Western countries as well, have uh, shaped their culture into the consumerism, into the rich versus poor sort of thing. So not saying like an American filmmaker would make this, but I think it still could. He could, the same filmmaker, Ho, could still make this and cast American people and just make it in in the states or uh, with a couple of elements changed around well I, maybe i don't think it would get the budget it needed to get off the ground here because it's not licking enough boots hard enough but yeah i'm continue. just talking purely in a vacuum yeah uh, of course i'm just talking purely in a vacuum he could even he could still make it in korea and just put cast it just like you know whatever but anyway let's talk about the film itself more the plot a little bit more since we're doing full spoilers and everything i was really like I said, didn't know anything going in. And when it starts unfolding, when you see what the family is gets into, I, I was really getting that feeling of like, this is like exciting almost, or this is like, this was not expected to me. Oh, they're going this way. Oh, they're taking it even further. Okay, now I see what's going on. So basically, well, you, you're introduced to this family. They're very poor. They're trying to get free Wi-Fi from around, whatever. They don't have money to pay for their Wi-Fi bill, whatever. They're like folding pizza boxes for some shitty pizza company for no very little money. Basically, it seems like to set up of like a a slob a snobs versus slobs. It's like a term people use for like eighties films like Revenge of the Nerds or something. Snobs versus slobs. Do you you get what I'm saying by that? Um, yeah. Type of film, whatever. Yeah, it's it's extremely Dickensian. It seemed it seemed like it was setting up as that almost. The kid's friend brings over that rock that we've been talking about. And he gives them a job opportunity, basically, with this rich family. Go take my place. I've been tutoring their daughter in English. You go. You can go do it because I'm going out of town or whatever. Study abroad, whatever. And he's like, I don't have an... Well, and also, crucially, like, you're one of my best friends, and I'm in love with this teen girl. And I know that you wouldn't try to steal her from me like all the other frat boys that I could ask to be her tutor while I'm abroad. Yes, that was funny, or basically, the setup is like, I don't trust these skeezy college kids. You're not a college kid, though. You're my friend, whatever you want. But obviously, unknowingly, that this, his friend, you know, one of the, the main character here. Yes. Or one of the main characters in the quote-unquote poor family is clearly going to be way worse for this family and the girl in the family than any, you know, college frat boy would would have been, ultimately. So <laughs> yeah. what you see, though, is that so he comes over and I was even like when he so the he meets the mom of the, the rich mom and she's like a little loopy or whatever. And I think his friend even warned him like, oh, she's a little simple or something. He says simple. And she's yes. like, I have to sit in with you on the first session to, to see if it works out. And he goes and he does like a move where like I would never think that this would work well, whatever. He like grabs the girl's wrist kind of and like starts talking to her real serious about like i can't remember exactly what it was but yeah you've seen it more recently yeah i saw it last night 
Um, he was like, uh, your, your, your heart is racing. You've yeah. been worrying too much about this question that you skipped. I know you came back to it. The point is to get through it. Be like firm and strong and get right, like, right, right. tear through it like a jung- tear through the test like a jungle. Um, fuck the questions you don't know. Uh, and that like really impresses the mom. Yeah, and the girl as well. And then you see, and then he's like, the, the girl has a, a brother who's like a little ADD kid or whatever. Um, and he does this artwork, whatever, drawings that he's looking at. So you see the setup that he's going to bring his sister in to be like the art teacher from. And he's like faking that he has a college degree or he's in college. He says he doesn't, he knows. Mm-hmm. It's all this like reference type of stuff. So then the, his sister comes over and she takes it even like super further where it's like, she's like, no, mom, you can't sit in on our session. And she gets the kid to like bow and all this stuff. Like it's, I don't know, like works, whatever. Um, <laughs> yes. So at that point I was like, all right, this is interesting. Like, the brother and sister team are. Her grift is perfect also. And then she does the stuff, and then you start seeing she, you see a scene where she takes her panties off and leaves them in the driver's car when the when the drivers, the like the rich family's drivers bringing her home, um, and smartly she's like let me off at this train station so I doesn't see where they live, poor or whatever, mm-hmm. and I was watching that like oh what, what's that about? Then you see she's like I left a time bomb or whatever in the car. And she's talking to her whole family about it. Then you're realizing, like, oh, this is, like... That's when you start seeing, like, this whole family is, like, grifters, basically. Or they've done this sort of thing before, I guess. Or basically, you see that they're... The two kids get in as the tutors for the two rich kids. Then they bring the... They get rid of the driver with the the panty scheme. Because the dad thinks... The rich dad thinks that the driver was fucking around in his car. Um, so he fires him, and they they reference the uh their dad to get in and then ultimately they have to get and can i pause yes yeah, for a second so like when when she leaves her underwear in the car and she's like back home telling the family that like i left a time bomb in the car like uh, whatever also that is the director telling us that like she has left a time bomb in the car it's one of four chekhov's guns that have to go off for this plot to go precisely the way that he wants it to um, which is exactly the way that you don't want it to. When he's having the conversation, when 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 uh, Mr. Park is having the conversation about firing the driver, that's when he brings up the the very first. It was like, whoa, whoa, whoa! If he had sex in my car, just like I don't know what kind of guy we're hiring. I don't like people who cross the line. And that's the very first time you see like the 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 rich people looking down their nose at the people that they employ, which is of course very important later but it's also like the fact that they don't but they're like we're not going to tell him directly why we're firing him yeah that'll be too awkward or whatever it's like this whole like secretive thing yeah it's just such great filmmaking like a place for everything and everything in its place it's like very kubrickian i i'm obsessed with it so then the final piece of the puzzle is their mom because also it's like the rich family and poor family is also like a mom husband wife son daughter that's both families are like that except in the poor family they're the kids are adults, but like young adults, I guess, probably in their early 20s or whatever. And in the rich family, it's like a 16 year old and like a nine year old or something. But the final piece of the puzzle is they have this housekeeper that's been around a long time. Also, they're in this crazy house that was designed, which is intricate to the plot, ultimately designed by some like famous architect. They said it used to be his house. He left or died or something. And now this rich family owns it. But the housekeeper they have has been around from before with the architect guy we find out 
So now you now you kind of see as a viewer, you're like, and this is maybe about half an hour, 40 minutes into the film, and you're like, all right, I now I see where it's going. The last piece of the puzzle is they got to get their mom in as the new housekeeper and get rid of this one. And they do a whole crazy plot. We don't have to get into it, time to get into every, the whole breakdown, the whole plot, but they do a whole thing to get the housekeeper gone, which is pretty intricate. Part of the thing is also that the rich people really are gullible, and they talk about this. The poor people do like... Yeah. Well, there's a whole thing about, like, they're nice because they're rich. Also, they're more gullible because of that. Because it's really just, like, they're doing these schemes. The poor people are doing schemes to get the people out of the way that they want out of the way that are working very effectively. And they're not letting on that they all know each other and that they're actually a family. And that it's just, like, through a chain of, like, recommendations they have. And basically, a whole big point of it is, like, what is the difference between rich and poor? Is there any difference? Because on one hand, they can the poor people can just fool the rich people into doing what they want but and then at the same time they're actually still doing the work it's not like the mom gets the job as the housekeeper and then slacks off or whatever she actually has to do the housekeeping work the dad has to drive and do all this stuff you know the kids i don't know i guess don't have to do as much they're just tutors i mean also the guy gets he starts making the girl fall in love with him basically and all this stuff and it's a little unclear if he really likes her or not too he has one kind of whole scene where he's like talking about it but then he's like Oh, but I was just kidding, kind of. I don't know if he really was or not. But ultimately, it doesn't matter then. But Yeah, it, it very much seemed like he was just like, this is also part of the scam. Like, we're going to marry. And when they when the family goes camping, which is where the movie turns, obviously, yeah. and they're all, they're, they're all camping out in the family's, like, enormous living room, like, getting, getting hammered, and he's talking about, like, I'm going to marry her. He never says I'm in love with her. He just says I'm very serious. Yeah. But but he was saying the same kind of things that his friend was saying at the beginning. So that's what was like, is it? Is he really? Mm, yeah. And also, it's mirrored also with the dad, who the the actor that plays the dad, um, poor dad, I'll call him, is in all the Ho films. I think he or most of them at least. He's like a very regular. He I I, I don't know if he's in Okja, um, but he's in Snowpiercer. I think might not be in Okja. He's in that. He's definitely in Memories of Murder. He's the main character in that as well. I think, I'm pretty sure he's one of the, the main character in the host as well. But he has all seen where he's, like, he's, like, starting to get mad. It looks like he's getting mad and going to, like, hit his wife and all this stuff or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that was and really And then cute. he throws, like, a glass, shatters it, and the kids even start believing it for a second. And he's like, oh, I got you. So, like, the family does stuff like this. Um, and just the whole element of what the family does, the whole grift, if you want to call it or whatever, is just so, was very intriguing to me, like, a very novel idea that I never would have thought of before, you know. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like it turns on, it turn the movie turns at that scene where, yeah, the rich family's camping for the kid's birthday. Cause also there's this whole thing about the kid loves Indians or native Americans culture. So that's like a whole other thing, you know? Yeah. Well, like the very first, the first of the three acts of this film is like super, people have been saying that it's like really Ocean's Eleven, where it's like, we've got a plan, we've got the the heist going, people are doing things according. But like, it's really more Goodfellas, where like you can feel it start to collapse even as it's building. It's like, well, this cannot last. This cannot stay. Whereas with with all the Ocean's movies. Well, there's a lot of tension, because you're like, they're going to get caught, you know? Yeah, there's like, it's crazy what they're doing, basically. And uh, even the kid, uh, the little kid, there's one part where he's like, you smell the same, like, and the parents don't really know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. But he, like, can tell, like, they're all, they all smell the same. They're all family. They live together in the same house. Um, but anyway, and that, and the thing where the movie really takes the turn is that the, 
they're they all decide to hang out at the house because the the family went out of town supposedly or they're gonna be gone for the night so they're all getting drunk and whatever having fun taking baths all this stuff and then the old housekeeper comes by and like starts banging crazy on the door trying to get in trying to get in so they're like fuck what do we do so the they're like all right mom you're you're the only one supposed to be here you like let her in and see what's going on which she does and then we find out the big twist is that this housekeeper was essentially running a sort of grift the whole time as well her husband lives underground the house has been doing that for years apparently because loan sharks are after him and then the, the family that lives there now doesn't know about this the architect who built the house had this whole head and underground thing i guess they said because he thought north korea was gonna bomb them or something but then he like was embarrassed that he built that so he didn't tell him when he sold the house or whatever so the the family didn't know that that's there behind this shelf uh this whole like underground bunker and this woman's husband's just been living down there for four years and now he's been like starving for a week because she got fired or whatever and she had to get down and he was like trapped in there like something was in the way so that's that whole twist which i certainly never saw coming or anything but uh, no uh that that also wasn't spoiled for me that was fucking wild uh and then the family is all following and they get themselves caught and then it's a whole crazy thing from there and we won't again uh i guess if you're listening to this now you probably would have seen the, the movie but we don't need to go crazy into the whole rest of the plot or whatever i mean there's a lot more twists that happen after this but that's when the tension started really ramping up even more because then the family starts coming back it's raining they're not staying the night camping out all of that there's a part then where they have to hide under the table well and like the 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 people under the stairs were holding them hostage because they took the video and then like wrestling to get the phone away from the person that was like really tense and you kept expecting it to fall apart and fall apart and then it didn't you're like okay, I can breathe. And then, of course, you knew immediately the second that you took that breath. It was like, oh, wait, this isn't going to end well. Um, yeah, so the, the mom kicks the old housekeeper down the stairs. Um, messes her up. Murders Basically, her is what she did. She's still alive <laughs> in that. But um, the, they somehow get out of it. And then the whole, what do you think about this? What was the metaphor exactly here or whatever it was? They, they're hiding under the table. They hear the rich dad talking about how... He's, like, smelling the poor dad, like, oh, this is, like, the smell you get on the subway, or it's with this guy, my driver. So that's the whole thing, obviously, and that's a catalyst for him kind of snapping at the end. Um, And then they they make it out without getting caught through that whole situation, for the night at least. They go back home, and their house is, like, all flooded because of the storm, and, like, they had to sleep in a um, homeless shelter, basically, for the night. And it's like, after all that, they're going back to this. And then they get a call from the kid. They're like, we're having a impromptu party for our son today. Come, you you guys all have to come. Like, just the whole thing of like, what do you think exactly was what he was trying to say with that whole part where they go back, they get away initially, then they go back to their house, like crumbling or it's gone, basically, or it's all flooded. and whatever. Yeah, I mean, precisely. It comes right after they've been like sitting in the living room. I mean, not right after. There's a very tense, like heist scene where they're trying to get out of the fucking house um, while the rich family is just hanging out there talking shit about them. But, like, as soon as they get out of the house wherein they had been, like, fantasizing about him marrying into this family and them all living in this house together, when they get back to their apartment, the the storm, which, by the way, 10, 15 minutes later, when they, the mother of the, of the rich family, the Parks, uh, opens the door and is like, oh, it's beautiful out, the rain washed all the pollution out of the sky, it's really a perfect day for us, what a great omen, and, like, We've just seen 10 minutes 
wading through a, a house that is filled with actual putrid shit water and trying to save like a few of their belongings and of course the the son saves the rock that is so metaphorical right he sleeps with it the wealth and future stone yeah i mean <laughs> that's like that's pretty blatant um that's way more blatant than like what we were talking about earlier i think we're i guess so yeah it works for me better i don't know and yeah, so then the end of the movie, you know, like, well, that is also, like, everything is so perfectly set up in this film. It's ridiculous. Like, before you hear about the son saw ghosts when he was younger. Yeah, that's why yeah. For his birthday every year. And then you see, oh, the ghost was the guy living under the house. He, like, came up and the guy saw him. <laughs> then there's one part I kind of lost. I guess the, when did the wife actually die? The old housekeeper died. Because she, she didn't die initially by getting pushed down the stairs, but. But before the guy went crazy, did they show her dying? Or yeah, she comes downstairs um, after the the Kims have locked them in the basement. Um, she she like crawls over to her husband, who they've like duct taped to a radiator pipe, and she's trying to chew off the stitches. And she's like, "I'm so dizzy. I, I clearly have a concussion. I need to lay down." Um, and then he wakes up, and she's not moving. Uh, later, okay. I couldn't remember if I missed that, or I just didn't see exactly. So she just not she just dead then, and then. The, her husband flips out basically or he's just like out of his mind at this point essentially he's been living in a basement for four years or whatever yeah he frees himself somehow and he starts he frees himself and he starts like banging on the these lights that he can operate from the basement in morse code and the little boy sees them but we don't get anything with that it's just like he's trying trying so hard to like yeah i thought they were setting that up so the son would or yeah the boy would come and like go look for him or find him but that didn't, that's not what happened. They used it in a different way then, then with the Morse code at angle. But, but yeah, so the guy runs out. He, I thought he kills the, the son, uh, the poor son. Uh, apparently he lived, though. The girl came and <laughs> carried him out. Um, his 16-year-old girlfriend, tutored girlfriend. Then, but they have the whole setup with the Cowboys-Indians thing or whatever. And then the daughter gets, ends up getting killed by this guy. Then it's crazy. The mom's fighting with him and all this stuff. Uh, and that's when the dad really snaps because the guy, somewhat understandably, you know, the dad, rich dad's like sees his son seizuring or whatever. He's like, we need to go to the hospital. But it's still the fact he doesn't care about this other girl getting killed right there or whatever. I guess you don't know for sure that she's dead at that point. But like, but that's when the dad completely loses it and then kills him. <laughs> and it's like, Yeah. And Mr. Park like makes, crucially, makes one last like, move to like we can see each other on video uh, listeners can't um to like whoa, whoa, whoa these guys smell uh and that's when the dad loses it because of what happened the night before so then he loses it and he just r- kills mr park right the rich dad runs away creating a very confusing scene because it's like why did the driver just snap on me they're like he, they had a good relationship we thought this homeless guy attacked and then all of a sudden the driver killed him or whatever. So obviously no watching what would happen, but... Right, to an outside person, you mean? Well, and it's so fucking crucial. It's so perfect that the people who live in the basement, like, don't have any resentment of the parks. Like, their only conflict is with the Kim family who are coming to steal, like, their place under the boot of the parks. Like, with his dying breath, he screams in English, respect at Mr. Park, and he's like... Mr. Park's like, wait, you know me? Like, who right. the fuck are you? And it's absolutely perfect. Yeah, it's what I what I keep saying. What I said earlier, it's it is a perfect class consciousness 
document. It, like, it's a metaphor for, like, how the wealthy divide the working class by giving us each one crumb and telling us, like, well, you could have two crumbs if this other person didn't have one. He understands something that American filmmakers just, like, don't get to make movies about. I don't, I don't know if there's no movie. We don't have time to talk about it now. I don't know if there's no American films that could get after the yeah. same sort of thing. But anyway, um, the Kim family, though, also, like, to go with your point, like, they're also, like, they're getting rid of the other people, the other working people, to get, to be the, the parasite, obviously. Exactly, that's yes. It's called, the, the film's called that, uh, on these rich people. But I loved it, the part where, before you realize that what happened where, before they tell you what happened where the dad... Kim like actually goes back in the house and starts living under there where the other guy was living to get away, uh, and it just looks like he ran away. I was like laughing to myself really hard too because also there's, which I thought was perfect because earlier in the film, his wife says something like, "You're just like a rat or whatever. You're gonna run away or a roach or something. I forget what animal she says, but like if something bad happens, you'll run away." <laughs> yeah. Like I remember her specifically saying that. I was like, "Wow, it was perfect. That's exactly what he did." And I was like laughing out loud almost at that. And it's not exactly what happened. It kind of is, but I mean, he didn't run away. He, like stayed there. Kind of a smart move, I guess. Um, staying under the house, and then that's when the Morse code thing comes back because the son finds out that he's there by going to look at that. And then there's like another kind of dream sequence, I guess, where they're like he's like imagining, I'll get rich and buy this house, and then Dad can come upstairs and normally or whatever, which is not uh, probably realistic but right and then then you get the, the, the snap back to reality where that's never gonna happen yeah i mean there's it seems unlike and there's a the whole thing then that i guess like a german family or something buys the house because like he's like all oh, those real estate people are shrewd they like j- they'll just trick people to moving into this murder house or whatever like, mm-hmm. these foreigners that don't know any better um there's probably a ton of stuff we didn't even touch on i don't want this to go too long but yeah really it, Obviously, on the the metaphorical level and on the, on just the commentary level, thematic level, it's pretty brilliant, and like works well for the time we live in now, um, with the class warfare angle, but just from like the the craft of like everything fitting together perfectly for the most part, is great. The acting's all very good. Like the mom, rich mom, what's their family? The uh, park, the park, Mama Park is like I was really impressed with her acting um oh yeah she's great specifically but everyone was pretty much good and just like it's exciting yeah you're like you don't know what's gonna happen there's good dark comedy in it it's like yeah it's just a amazingly good good film i i think it should it's probably yeah i have to say it's the best new film i've seen from 2019 this year it's the best movie i've seen this year doubt it would get eclipsed at this point and i think it should be contender for best picture i don't know if it will be or not being foreign films out and don't always you know there's a foreign film category separately I don't, they don't always get it sometimes they do i don't know well i don't know sometimes they recognize the great foreign film as like a best picture candidate like roma was a best picture candidate last year right true but again also these awards don't necessarily mean shit anyway so right again if you're listening still at this point you probably saw it already but if you haven't somehow again twist ruined or whatever but go uh i mean i i gotta gonna see it again for sure not in theaters because there's other films i want to check out too but uh definitely need to watch this one again and i'd like to watch it with someone like some people who haven't seen it probably and be like like i could see this being something i like mm. at christmas or something with my family i'm gonna be like all right we gotta sit down and watch this right now guys something like that because like i feel i want to see 
other people's reactions to it kind of during the film I guess sort of thing I don't know do you have any again I just want to don't want this to go too long but is there do you have any other thoughts final thoughts on it no I kind of ranted as much as I possibly could about what a great communist document this film is and I, I love it and I respect it and it's my baby boy and I will hold it in my arms forever we should before we go maybe mention what movies we want to see in the next couple weeks to give I, I don't know who listens to this fucking podcast but if any if anybody is participating in Mr's movie club like what uh what Oscars movies are coming up that you want to see sure. well I did also just more recently than uh Parasite I saw this past a uh, couple the a couple of days ago I saw Jojo Rabbit which also was very good I thought also kind of a dark comedy completely tonally different than Parasite and different in a lot of ways obviously but oh is it Another tonally, or a tonally strange movie to some degree. I mean, it's about a boy who in, like, nineteen forty, like, the end of, basically the end of World War II and Germany's losing. He's a Hitler youth, and his imaginary friend is Hitler, played by the director Taika Waititi. Um, so, and then uh, he finds out his mom, played by Scarlett Johansson, is uh, hiding a Jewish girl in their house. Um, and that's the setup of that film, if you're not aware of what it is. But I recommend that one. Also, if you're going to see it, we can talk about that, too. I want to see The Lighthouse. haven't seen that one yet. That's getting rave reviews. That's by the director of The Witch. The Vavitch. film I really liked. The Vavitch, yeah, sorry. That's a two-hander with... Uh, yeah, do you want to watch those, too? two-hander with Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson that, um, about like lighthouse keepers in like the 1910s or something. That looks uh, very good. That's out now. Uh, coming out, I think uh, Pattinson reminded me of this because he was in their last film, The Safety Brothers. Uh, I don't believe he's in this one, but... Uncut Gems, yeah, 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 I want to see that. With Adam Sandler, and apparently Kevin Garnett is an actor in that one as well, playing himself, I assume. <laughs> Hell yeah. I don't know. Um, that should be really good. I, I think that comes out in December. That I'm sure that'll be some type of art house contender, Oscar contender. The Irishman, you mentioned before we started recording with the Scorsese film that's dropping on Netflix... Did you see uh, another Netflix film, which I actually saw in the theater here in L.A. a couple weeks ago, was Dolomite Is My Name. That I recommend that one. That's That one's pretty good. Um, you said fuck off. I haven't seen that. I will. Yeah, I recommend it. It's good. A return to form for Eddie Murphy there, doing comedy again. I enjoyed that one. Um, I don't know if that's like an Oscar-type movie, but it's it's out there. All these movies dropping on Netflix now. Um, yeah, I don't know what else what else is coming out or is out that that might be relevant for this. We'll need to keep an eye on Little Women, and uh, we'll need to keep an eye on Marriage Story. The Noah Baumbach movie is uh, yeah reported to have moved a lot of people at festivals. I saw a preview for that before Jojo Rabbit. Didn't uh, I'm I'm pretty spotty with Baumbach to begin with. The films where Greta Gerwig has more influence on I like better of his. But like um Francis Ha, but yeah, in the same in the sense where Mistress America is is his best movie, um yeah I agree. But yeah, watching the preview of this, I, it wasn't making me go like oh I need to I need to get go go run down to see this one. I don't know. I'm very compelled by Adam Driver as an actor, so we'll see. Yeah, he's a great actor, but um I don't know movies about. 
just divorce or whatever. I don't. I mean, there's a lot of them. I guess I don't. I mean, obviously, any movie can have some hook to it. You could explain the plot, the basic plot of Parasite, and not really know what's going on. Could be the same, but I, I don't know. Right. Speaking of Driver, I guess the new Star Wars is out. I couldn't be less interested in that at this point, even though I'm sure I'll probably see it uh, at some point. But I'm definitely going to see that. I, I I don't know that we need to talk about it. <laughs> cool. So those are the things on our radar. Yeah, but more more movie stuff to come. Um, movies are relevant portion of Brooklyn Rebound Network here. So stay tuned for that. Subscribe uh, to the show if you're not already again brooklyn rebound network um we got we should have another nba episode coming out shortly nba season's now in full swing a lot of good stuff there to talk about hey i went to my first clippers game recently that was a whole lot of fun uh Kawhi's is the truth for real in person he's amazing even more so um sure i'll be talking to my boy pod nam about that maybe you as well e dash nam nice uh so stay tuned for all the shows we got going on Check out my YouTube channel, Drew's Views, on YouTube for movie uh, for TV reactions, rather, like Neon Genesis, Evangelion, and others. And, uh, yeah, anything for you. You're over on No Thanks Y'all on Twitter. Maybe you'll start putting some more gems of tweets out about so the films you've been watching or what you're looking forward to as well. You, you might get that over there on that feed. But uh, everyone go watch Parasite if you haven't done so yet. Go watch new movies celebrate the cinema and until next time on movies are relevant we're gonna be up out of here peace Productions.